0: Praise the Lord, everybody. We thank the Lord for each and every one of you this morning. We're excited about the Word of God. But just before I get to the Word of God, I want to take a moment to, um, well, we've had a rough week when it comes to law enforcement, when it comes to our community. There's the issue in Memphis, uh, Tennessee. Officers did what they should not have done. And that as a result of that. A young man's life has been taken away. The systems that are in place are in place and they're doing what they are supposed to do as the officers have been uh, relieved of their uh, authority and charges have been filed and they will have their day in court to explain why they did what they did. I'm sure that by this point, many of you, if not all of you, have seen the video of the horrific uh, things that took place that evening. As I watch the video, I look at it from the eyes of a police officer and I see things that should not have happened, things that should not have been done, most certainly uh, things that I cannot believe were trained. But that's not the only thing I see. There's a lot of fault that can be passed around. There's a lot of blame that we can point our fingers at. What I see that's most troubling is that a young man's life is lost. That a young man will now not be able to move forward with uh, creating... Um, a life and being productive in the community in which he lived, a family that's suffering, family of this young man and family of these five officers, a community that is suffering, a department that is suffering. Now, the news media will jump all over this and uh, make it about police abuse. And um, was there abuse Was there a miscarriage of justice? Was there an unnecessary level of force used? I would say yes, there was just from what I've seen. But does that mean that we as a people should begin to turn peaceful protests into riots? This is what the news media is hoping will happen because this then gives them something else for which to talk about. More things for them to put out. This is what is keeping this stirred. There are a lot of issues with what I've seen and a lot of it comes back to training or maybe a lack of training. A lot of it comes back to the team that was created and what training was provided to that team to take the actions that they took. Younger officers. My prayer is that we as a people, as a community, can get beyond this. That law enforcement can find better ways to deal with resistors and uh, people who don't want to go along with the program. The technology, the smartest of us who create technology, could create things that are um, better suited to bringing a peaceful end to situations like this so that another mother, another father does not have to later arrest rest their child. My call upon the community and the law enforcement community uh, specifically is to have patience because people are hurting. They're hurting by what they've seen. And while I am very vocal in saying that it is not the actions of one person or in this case, five people that determine the mentality or the desire of everyone that makes up that group. We also have to acknowledge that in life, perception sometimes is larger than reality. While I would dare say that 99% of law enforcement is doing it right each and every day, making a sacrifice to stand in the gap between right and wrong and good and evil, I would also say that there are many who are not doing what they should be doing. There are many that should not wear the badge. So I encourage my brothers and sisters in law enforcement to remember that. Now I've talked to many just within our local department and I have found no one that has said what they saw they thought was right or just. Everyone has got that expression, that feeling like, ugh, shouldn't have done that. I'm so thankful that God has blessed me to be a part of the Columbus Division of Police God has blessed this city to have the resources by which to train our officers to perform at a level of excellence and professionalism, and I'm thankful to God for that. 28 years I've carried the badge. 28 years I've done this job. I'm a supervisor. I watch out over those that have been given to my care by the authorities that are above me, and I can wholeheartedly say, that this is not the way we behave. And I know that there's been challenges from our own community against our own department. And I think that there have been few that have made mistakes and done things that they should not have done. But again, I think that this is not a one-sided issue, but it is a holistic issue that requires a holistic approach to settling. I thank the Lord for where we are going And I thank the Lord that, at least in this city, things have been calm and peaceful. While everyone has the right to voice their concerns, we all must remember, especially those of us in the body of Christ, it should never be our default position, a position of violence. For it is the call of God upon each of us to even for our enemies pray. It is my earnest desire that we will get through all of this and that the narrative will change again i thank you this morning for your time and the attention that you're giving to uh, this sermon this morning and i want to talk to you we're dealing in a in a time of crisis you can see uh, my backdrop this morning is not the customary church, but it is a very cold-looking uh, picture. It is a picture of, uh, you know, ruggedness and hardship. I don't know if any of you have experienced cold or been stuck out in the cold, but it's not a very comfortable uh, experience. And this is what the backdrop is to demonstrate Today but the title of this sermon today declares who we are even in the most harshest of circumstances and this is the attitude that we have to begin to adopt for ourselves the things that we need to tell ourselves each and every day i am built for this i remember not too long ago going to uh, alaska to spend time with my eldest son and we were moving throughout glaciers and walking in the, in the mountains, and it was a whole nother level of cold. It was a whole different kind of cold. Now, it gets cold here in Ohio, but it was a whole different kind of cold there. And I remember going and uh, teasing my wife as we were packing for our week-long stay all the many layers of clothing, that she was packing to ensure that whatever we did, wherever we were at, we would be comfortable. We would stay warm. In other words, we would have resources necessary for which to deal with everything that we may face so that our circumstances would not be the better of us. Today, I want you, by the end of this sermon, and I won't be before you long, but I want to leave this seed In your mentality, regardless of your surroundings, regardless of your circumstances, you are built for this. Every time that you face something or go through something, you ought to have that mentality. I am built for this. I can handle this. You see, many believers have not taken uh, any time to make provision for the hardships that will come in life. And they find themselves in a theological predicament whenever they encounter personal crisis. What many believers do not understand about God, is God is a God of seasons. God is a God of time. There's a reason that God placed us in time. He isn't as concerned with our comfort as many uh, of the leaders across this church world would have you to believe that God's only desire is to just bless you with stuff. He just wants to give you stuff. He wants you to have your pockets fat. This isn't God's concern. God is more concerned with getting out of us the investment that he has put into us, which in turn will bring authenticity to our faith. What I have found is we have too many people in the body of Christ who believe that if they have enough faith, if they pray enough in tongues, if they live that perfect life, they will never have or have to go through any hardship at all. And that's just simply not reality. Too many believe that the lack of hardship is the revelation that God is doing great things in their lives because They have ascended to some higher level of existence in their walk and relationship with God. But then when when they experience hardship, and they most certainly will, for it escapes none of us, no matter what class of life you may be, they find themselves ill-equipped to handle the very thing that they are experiencing. And this is not what God would have for his people. So as crisis enters some of our lives, there are many that will believe something then must be wrong or that they've done something wrong or they're living wrong because they're experiencing this hardship that has to be then um, more than a hardship. It has to be a punishment from God himself for uh, something I said, something I did, some place I I was at that I shouldn't have been, some uh, illicit activity, some sin that is in in existence in my life. And you often hear people make statements like, this shouldn't be happening to me. And what is even worse, you'll hear people say things like, I didn't do anything to deserve this. The idea that is being really projected is that there is a reason for their current crisis and that reason has something to do with something that they have done. This kind of reasoning is what is called circumstantial theology and it is not Valid reasoning Let me use it as an example A story recorded in the book of Acts About the apostle Paul There's something that You first need to remember When the winds of life are blowing And the rains are beating against your every dream I want you to never forget That God will Even in crisis Will keep you Because God built you with a storm in mind he has prepared you every day that preceded this day for every storm that is going to come in the 27th and 28th chapters of the book of acts paul finds himself aboard a ship ready to set sail to italy now this was not a pleasure cruise for the apostle nor was he uh, in charge. He was not the captain of the boat or um, one of the crew members. Paul was a prisoner who was bound in shackles. Now, Paul had been doing the work that God had called him to do. But at that moment in time, there was certainly no evidence of any external blessing connected with what he was doing for God. While he's out at sea, the ship encounters a storm and the ship begins to sink. It is in this very moment that God gives Paul words of counsel that allowed this prisoner to become the keynote speaker on a sinking ship. Everyone was listening to him. Even those that had bound him were listening to him. Now, if there had been no crisis... Paul would never have had the opportunity or been recognized for the counsel that he was given. As scripture uh, shows us, when the ship did sink and everyone made it safely to, to the shore, just as Paul had prophesied they would, they found themselves on the island of Malta. Now they were stranded, but the locals that they ran into did not persecute them, but helped them, built a fire to help them get warm and recover from being drenched by the water. And even as Paul was gathering wood for the fire, you talk about things going from bad to worse. Scripture tells us a snake bit Paul on the hand. Now these locals were masters of circumstantial theology and they began to reason within themselves that this poisonous snake bite was the result of something evil that Paul had done. And as a matter of fact, they even concluded that the very storm itself had originally been designed by God to kill Paul at sea, but Paul somehow escapes the the wrath of God. So this snake bite was God's second attempt at finishing him off. This is the kind of, this is the way that, uh, you know, they were thinking This is the way that some people that you know in your life think. Now, let me just say as a side note, if God wants to take you out, he doesn't miss on his first chance. Now, this type of reasoning really holds no validity. The evidence shows no signs of any uh, poison even affecting Paul. Now, the locals then change their stance. They changed their mind and they they began to declare that, well, Paul must be a god. And yet again, their second assumption was just as wrong as their first assumption. You see, God was not trying to kill Paul, nor was Paul a god. And it is at this point that Paul decides to speak up. Despite the fact that he was a prisoner, he was shipwrecked, he had been bitten by a snake, Paul preached the gospel. And in that moment, many on that island were led to Christ. Now, those of us who are analyzing the story of Paul 2,000 years or so after the fact should be able to clearly see that there are holes in circumstantial theology. But let's be honest with ourselves just for a moment. If we were arrested, had a car accident, lost our job, received a bad report from our doctor, discovered that our home was burned down to the ground, wouldn't we be tempted to find a hole and crawl in it, begin to pout and complain and blame God and ask that famous question, why me, Lord? In every moment of crisis in our lives, we must always remember that we will win if we refuse to quit. You see, the grace of our Lord is sufficient. This is what the Word of God tells us. It isn't over until it's over, and it, is going, it isn't going to be over until God says that it is over. Let me just share serious truth with you that many from pulpits across this nation will deny is even true. The truth is storms and crisis are a part of life. They are a part of your life. They are a part of my life. None of us can escape them. You will not be able to do anything to avoid them, and they are not the result of something that you did that was wrong. You need to take a beat. Take a breath. Relax. God sees a much larger picture of your life, and he will get you through every crisis that you will face. The Bible is clear. Two houses are built, one on a rock and one on sand. Now, for some time, both of these houses seem to be comparable. Both of these homes draw similar compliments from those who walk by. Only through the surviving of a storm is the value of the foundation of your faith ever made visible, even to the most passive of of observers. Now to the casual observer, the homes are worth about the same. However, seasons have a way of changing. And when the sun disappears, the wind, the rain, and the floodwaters all take their turn assaulting each of these houses, these adverse circumstances being no indication of the strength or viability of either house. Instead, they are just a part of life. The evidence of the house's strength is only made visible after the storm is over. Of course, the house built on the sand will collapse because its foundation is weak. But the house that is built upon the rock will stand. It will weather the storm, even to the surprise of those who never took time to appreciate the foundation upon which both houses were built. The question is not can the house be built? But rather, can it stand once it has been built? Never forget that when the winds of life are blowing and beating against your every dream, remember that God built you with a storm in mind. God knew rough days were going to come, and he has been preparing you for every rough day, even when you don't know that that what he is doing is preparing you for what is next. Your confidence is, I am built for this. I tell myself each and every day, I am built for this. Even in law enforcement, I'm trained constantly so that I have the attitude, I am built for this. Hang on until help comes. Don't give up, don't quit until your uh, backup arrives. I once saw a quote on Facebook that said, I am the storm. You see, this is the mentality that we must maintain. I am the storm. I'm not in the storm. I am the storm. We must never forget how God does things. If God wants to bring to the surface something that is in us that he has developed for the benefit of other people, which just as a side note, I've often said I'm going to talk to God about using me as an example. I'd rather he use somebody else. And I think many people wonder that from time to time. But if God has something that he has invested in us, that he is developing in us, not even for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others as we are the example of Christ. We are the image or the reflection of not just what God looks like, but also what God is doing. The people that are Requiring to receive the benefit that God is using and uh, birthing out of us will never see what God has created in us unless circumstances, those very circumstances that are designed to bring those very things to life or into places where they have become visible. You see, only after the storm do you fully know that what, was, that what you were built for, you can handle. Our provision for hardship is, is evident when we come to the place where we realize that God built us with a storm in mind. Remember the story about the two houses I just told you about. The man who built the house upon the rock knew that the sun wasn't going to shine each and every day. He knew that there was going to be a storm someday. Now, there will be days when everything won't work out as planned or as desired. If I know anything about the human condition, people will lie about you. They will stab you in the back. Your kids will act up and turn against you. Your car, new or old, will break down on you, etc., etc., etc. You don't have to worry about it, though. And you cannot confess it away. It will become something that you must face head-on. What we need is provision for the hardship that comes. When Noah was building the ark, the question was never, could he build it? The imperative question was, can the thing he built float? You see, in times of crisis, we must trust that what is built in us by faith like Noah's Ark, will press through the trouble until the storm is over and what has been built finally lands on a mountain with a new beginning. Don't get frustrated when crisis comes knocking at your door. You are more storm-proof than you even know. God wants you to see the foundation upon which you stand, a foundation that is not shaken when storms blow. Too often we don't distinguish what is eternal from what is temporal until the environment that causes the temporary to appear eternal is disrupted. Everything that you're going through in life, everything that you're dealing with in life is preparing you for what is next in life. Because God would not have you ill-equipped, unprepared, Or lacking the resources necessary To be triumphant in every season of your life The question is Will you rely upon the foundation of God Or are you like too many Who have built their house on sand And when the storms of life do come Your house is blown away Think about this today, people of God. And remember to remind yourself each and every day, as your foot hits the floor, when you get out of the bed, you ought to tell yourself, tell your atmosphere, tell the enemy, tell the world, tell this system, I am built for whatever storm is headed my way. And it will not destroy me, but I will be triumphant in it. And thereby declare the glory of God over all of it. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God bless you this day. Have an awesome day in the Lord. And remember, there is no storm in life for which God has not prepared you to come through out on the other side, looking back, saying to yourself, I made it. This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.